Once again, we rise from the ashes to consume all the Ritalin and Adderall that we can. It is ADD Masterminds, the gritty reboot, part two. <laughs> part two. Part deuce. <laughs> part deuce. Part deuce. Part deuce. Part podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. I think that was a killer intro. Um, <laughs> I am John Howie, and I'm here with, and I am, I am Jeff Hendricks. Hello, hello. We just finished uh, recording the Wax Museum. We actually talked about one topic for the whole time, which was pretty amazing. That's that was a stretch for us. I guarantee you. <laughs> so for those. <laughs> For those of uh, those of us who are uh, our ADD minions, um, who are not familiar with your other podcast, your other other podcast, John, uh, give us a little quick explanation of what exactly is the Wax Museum. Yeah, it's just conversation, really, which is different from this because this isn't conversation at all, is it? <laughs> it isn't? Um, I've been doing this all wrong. <laughs> No, I, I don't know. Like we we get a little more political, and so we'll talk about more contentious issues. Um, and I I think you know the fact that we talked a bit about like uh, mega churches, um, kind of uh, it's similar to what Doug and I would do because that it's a bit of a contentious issue, um, and just kind of throwing things out there. It's throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. Actually, that's our motto. So that makes it. I think yeah, pretty clear. Because it's wax, right? Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so if you want to hear that, it should probably be out the same time as this one. So Amazing how that works. Yeah. Hey, so yeah. I am looking at the ADD master list, and I see this. Okay. <laughs> it says, words that I'm pretty sure my wife made up to confuse me. Did you write this? Because I didn't write this. No, I don't think so. I, bet I don't, you this I don't was think Jason so, but it Bukowski, sounds like a great topic. And I, I wanted oh. to do it anyways, even if it was Jason Bukowski, because I'm like, what? Okay, so here are Jason. the words that Jason Bukowski's wife made up to confuse him. He's pretty sure. I, I can't wait okay. to hear this. Ready? Okay. There's only three of them. Yeah. In okay. sweet. In sweet. It's kind of like en suite, but with an I. Mm. In suite? Like, I'm pretty sure that's made up. Yeah. What yeah. does it mean, though? I don't know. I'll have to Google it later. That's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I need context, Jason. All right. Sheeshed. S-H-E-S-H-E-T. Sheeshed. Uh, shushed, shushed, shushed. Yeah, you've been you've been shushed. When you shush somebody, but that's been, not spelled that way though. Shush should be s u a s h u s h e d. Well, no, because like you know, or of course, it could be you do something stupid and they go sheesh. Do you okay? Like with your ADD, do you get really bored when people spell stuff? Yeah, I hate yeah. that. Okay, I'm gonna yeah, do it again. Yeah, do it again. <laughs> okay. Okay, the third one. I think yeah. this is the most interesting one. 
Hombre wall. So it's like the Spanish word hombre. <laughs> and then the English word wall. Hombre wall? Hombre wall. That sounds a little political. Let's just move on. Yeah, we, we don't want to go there. All right, hey, attitude. I like the word attitude. Attitude is like a loaded word. Like, okay, so my church, they say this all the time. I think this is what I, I was thinking of this in church, and so I added it to the ADD master list in the middle of worship. But they're like, okay, we're going to dismiss the kids, but we want you to guys to stay in an attitude of worship. And I'm like, attitude. Is that the same oh. as like, don't give me attitude? Don't throw any tude, man. So it's like an attitude of worship. It's like, attitude. I don't know. I can't well, okay. even do it. So uh, the first thing that pops into my head is like, you're a pilot. You're flying a plane. And the tower says, uh, so uh, you're coming in. Uh, what's your attitude? And the pilot goes, I am great. <laughs> of course, attitude go. could, of course, mean your, you know, your orientation, your attitude and what is your orientation? That's a different thing, too. We won't <laughs> go there. That's not... That also has more than one meaning. Yeah, man. Words are weird. Hey, the other thing is, is... Okay, like... Yeah. Huge, huge song, um, Reckless Love. Okay? Yeah. And there's words in there that are controversial. But everybody's, like, so hung up on Reckless, which I'm like, shut up. But anyways, this is what I'm hung up on. You have been so, so good to me. You you hear people saying mm, so so, whenever I sing that I'm like thinking you've been so so good to me, been yeah, so so good. <laughs> Worship lyrics, am I right? <laughs> Man, needs more water references. <laughs> this is fun. This is fun. I like doing different stuff all the time. Yeah, oh I'm not God. bored. I hope you guys aren't bored. It's been a while, man. It's things are good. ADD is uh, so I've I've discovered that I use um, you know you remember those little foam stress balls that they give you in in your office to keep you from like going postal and strangling people. Yes. Okay. So I'll tell we, you we, what we, I use mine for after you're done talking. Yep. Okay. Yep. I hope it's like for just squeezing, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> We'll get to it, okay? Yeah, you just tell your story. So I've just dis- I've discovered that um, I was walking through my office holding my Rubik's cube and practicing, and because I just you know practice these little moves, right? And I walked up to this one cubicle, and this lady she looks at me and she says, "You use that thing like a stress ball, don't you?" And I said, "As a matter of fact, I I do. You That's just exactly it? what I use it for." Well, no, I just, I'm just but kidding. it gives me something. It gives me well. I can do that too. It's like a it fidget toy. To do. It is. It's like a four-dimensional fidget spinner. Right. It's exactly what it's like. And so, I, I I now I now think of it as a as a well three or four-dimensional fidget spinner, but it's just fun. It's just something for me to do with my hands um, while my brain is getting engaged. And so, I find when I'm working because my work is very methodical and meticulous, and I have to pay all this attention, and I have so little to give to begin with. So what I'll do is I'll stop after a while, 45 minutes or an hour, and I'll take the, the cube and I'll just sit there and I'll solve it a couple times and I'll just be like, oh, you know, just kind of refocus. Good mental break. I'll go dive back into my, yeah, take a mental break. So that's my awesome. mental break is like I solve puzzles. So that's cool. That's, 
it is it's fun all right so i actually work downtown now so we're a little more professional but where i worked before in the consulting company it's like just a bunch of boys that are just nuts and uh my use of my stress ball is i always said whoever's stressing me i throw it at them yeah so there you go. Right, but right. if I did that with a Rubik's Cube, I might get in more trouble. We had a, when I worked at my previous job, they had handed those out and they were big, round, smiley face, yellow, smiley face stress balls. Right. And they started throwing them at each other. And <laughs> See? Uh, it just an office war broke out. And <laughs> yeah. some computer monitors may have ended up being broken. But what were the stress <laughs> levels like? Oh, uh, before the monitors got broken, the stress levels were, it was working great. And then, <laughs> and then the monitors got broken, and then That's the stress awesome. levels surprisingly went back up again. Yeah. And uh, it has a threshold. Of, yeah. There's yeah, a threshold of how out. much throwing you can do. Yeah. So the thing is, is like when, when, the, when the corporate office says they want you to improve office morale, they don't really mean as much as you want they're like just a little bit just enough to keep people working they don't (laughs) really want you to really boost office morale otherwise they would wheel in like you know ice chests of drinks and food and like office party three o'clock everybody let's go party time you know yeah they would do that like every week that would improve office morale but that's not what they mean (laughs) (laughs) morale is a funny word too like how is that tied to morality like that's really interesting Morale. <laughs> Words French. are interesting. That's, I think that's our theme today, buddy. Oh, okay. Okay. So here's another one. Okay. 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 Now, blessed or privileged? I've been thinking about this. I actually mentioned this to somebody and they're like, you could write a whole book on this. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try Ooh. to do five minutes on it. All right. So, yeah. so when you talk about like privilege, right? That's a big like, what social justice word or whatever the hot people word. use? It's a yeah, hot word. But Christians will talk about the same things, but say I'm blessed. I just thought that was interesting. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, I don't think those two things are the same thing. So, um, like I've I've heard the the word privilege used in uh, in a negative manner. Oh, definitely is. Yeah. It's looked and, at in a negative like, oh, You're privileged. Well, okay. Um, but you, I mean, when you go, when you say something like that, like, okay, you're a privileged person, you know, right. because of whatever reason, you know, pick whatever X, Y, Z. Your ad anatomy or your skin color. Yeah. Yes. Right. Or whatever arbitrary thing that you have no control over is. Right. Right. <laughs> You're privileged. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's not what I would call a blessing. A blessing would be like, um, you know, something that is obviously God working to improve your life in a way that would not have happened otherwise. Um, I, you know, I see what you're saying, but I, I, I guess for ahead. me, it's kind of like I, I'm blessed to have an education, right? Because it gets me a job sure. and everything like that. I'd say I'm blessed. But I somebody could also say you're privileged because you were raised in a family where you got into the position to have an education. And I'd be inclined to agree at some level. Like I've worked hard for what I have, 
But there's a certain amount of privilege that got me to that point, which is, to me, the same well, thing as the yeah. blessing that God gave me. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I guess it depends on how you look at it, because there are people that live in Cambodia that will never go to school, much less go to college. Right. Are they, can you say they are not blessed? Or are I'm we sure they're blessed in other importance? ways, for sure. But exactly. I guess exactly, I don't think blessed. anyone would call them privileged, though. <laughs> so I guess that's a well, counterpoint right there. They yeah. could be privileged in other ways that we're not aware of, and so it's very possible that we are putting artificial definitions on what is or isn't a blessing. Um, did I yeah. tell you the story about the farmer and the horse? He totally did. did I, I, I read that in um, in a Max Licato book too. So if you guys want to hear it, yes. it's in the previous episode, Ghost. I don't know what number it is, but it's the one that we titled Ghost. Previous episode, current minus one. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but yeah, that's it. It's like, and um, I guess something too that I think about is like when people talk about, it's like the people that like are like, oh yeah, I've got like, it's usually a woman praying about her husband and say, yeah, I have the best husband. I'm so blessed. And it's like, okay, well, like, cool. Like, I'm glad you feel blessed. But there's a point where it's like bragging. And it can cause trouble yeah. for a person who's not married. And they're like, oh, she's bragging about having a husband again. And it could also be a woman who's like reading that post and is like, why is my husband such a jerk? Right? And so I think there's a certain, you know, when we talk about being blessed, I think sometimes it can become bragging and it can be kind of talking about privilege. I guess is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I could, I could understand that. And I think kind of like what we were talking about uh, in the Wax Museum is if you focus on what God is doing for you, then your focus is wrong because blessings are not, God does not bless us just for just us. Just because. Yeah. He blesses us as a way to demonstrate his character and glorify who he is to the rest of the world. Right. Um, and we lose focus of that. It's very easy for us to uh, say, well, you know, we're focusing on these blessings, but we're really focusing on what's in it for us. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like Oswald Chambers said, if you only follow God as for what he can give you, then you don't really understand Christianity. That's right. So, Hey, so, um, you ever go to like a concert? Like there's like a concert where there's like, I guess kids concert, like a Christmas concert maybe, or like a spring music concert or whatever. Like a concert for kids or by kids? By kids. And okay. like the parent that has the iPad taking a photo. <laughs> Does that yeah. person still exist? I, I haven't seen them in a while, and so I'm just like, did we just kill all those people off? Because I haven't seen an iPad in a while at a concert. Yeah, I've, I've seen one. Oh, they, so they we missed exist. one when we killed them? Yeah. <laughs> it was, my father-in-law still has one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but as far as I know, he's not obnoxious about taking pictures with it in in, in concerts and whatnot, Oh, I have so. an iPad. I just don't use it to take photos like ever. It's got a good camera on it, but there are cameras that actually do that a lot better. So Oh oh I had another idea too. Okay. You know how like hipsters are always bringing back old stuff like vinyl yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah. I was yeah. like, you know what would be dope is if you had like the hipster 
parent, you know, with the big curly mustache, but he brought back the 1800s camera. Poof. You know? Like oh, the, yeah. I used to have one of those. Did you? I did. It That's was awesome. broken. I couldn't fix it. It was really, really old, but somebody gave it to me. It's one of the old bellows kind, like the whole top of it opens up and, oh, dude, it was amazing. It was a one of the single shot four by six plate cameras. It was like the size of a toaster. It was awesome. <laughs> well, it was like uh, it. that uh, Seth MacFarlane movie. It's like 2,000 Ways to Die in the West or 200. I don't know how many Ways to Die in the West. But they're like talking about this person. They're like, I heard that somebody smiled in a picture once. And it's like the 1800s, right? And they're just like, what was he? Was he deranged? Why did he smile in a picture? Because like nobody yeah. smiled back then, I guess. <laughs> you yeah. have died of dysentery. <laughs> hey, speaking of death, I was at this like worship thing. And there was a kid who was like screaming. And one of my friends, I can't even remember who it was, turned to me and said, what is that toddler death metal? And I'm like... This needs to be created. Someone needs to make this. So, oh, John, you just may have ruined my weekend, man. I'm going to have to do that. Okay, send me an MP3 and we'll post it for sure. Dude, I am totally going to take a video of a toddler screaming and put metal behind it. Yes. <laughs> and it yes. Will be toddler screamo metal. Had to be done. I'll double check to see who the guy is that inspired me. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to him and make sure he gets credit for it. This has to become a thing. <laughs> yes. It was like the goat thing. You ever seen the YouTube goat thing? Like, where it's like the goat making... <laughs> so it's like... Uh, what is it? Uh, living on a prayer. We'll insert the audio right here. Have, you, have I ever showed you the... How to make... Uh, what was it? Death metal vocals made easy. There's this there's this musician that I follow on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He's a really amazing guitarist, um, phenomenal guitarist. But he plays a lot of like real heavy, hard rock kind of stuff with like you know like nine ten string guitars and stuff like that. It's crazy stuff. That's a lot of strings, dude. It's a lot of strings. So um, he made a video <laughs> where he sends one of his buddies to do. Uh, vocals for one of his songs and he sends him to a skydiving camp. <laughs> oh, nice. And he, he jumps out the plane and he just goes, Wah! <laughs> it just, it's, it's amazing. And they actually use the, the sound from that. That is cool. That's so cool. I need to send you a link. It is amazing. You've got to see this video. It's so incredibly great. You ever listen to those oh, like my gosh. old news clips? And it's like the, the announcer, and he's like, I am standing here at the... He sounds like he's following off a cliff, doesn't he? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. This, that, right. yeah. I don't know if I did the voice that well, but I tried. Hey, so, anyways, um, I'm just, I feel like I'm not great at segueing into all of these. Usually, we're, I'm better at this. Anyways, um, I, I heard something really cool, a message that I heard on Sunday... Um, I guess I could say, speaking of the past, all right, there we go. <laughs> okay. Wow. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so um, he, the pastor said, um, use the past to propel you forward um, by remembering his faithfulness. And so I think a lot of times when we get stuck, like when we start thinking about the past, we use it in such a negative way. 
and a lot of times it's in relationships where we're closest to people. We're like, oh, I know. He's going to let me down because he always lets me down. So you use the past to predict your future and you're miserable and you hate that person, right? But it's like a good way to use the past is to say, wow, remember when God provided for me? Remember when he was there for me? And it's like he's going to be there for me now too. And it's like it, it, it helps you have more faith when you can look at the past and see what God's already done. Absolutely, absolutely. Here, here you go, John. There you go. Okay. We're going we're gonna to pause our program for a short commercial break while John listens to this. All right, guys. Acme Lasers is about to blow your mind. How about this? A laser sight for your laser. <sighs> a laser sight for your laser. Yeah, so, like- okay. So here's the scenario. You own a giant death laser in space, right? Right. Okay. Um, don't we all? Like, yeah. Anyways. But but you're not going to fire it, like, for a couple of minutes. This is, like, intense laser that, like, burns buildings down. So you want right. to be able to aim it before you fire it, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you use to aim a giant laser with? A small targeting laser. It's mm-hmm. genius. Yeah. The Acme Laser Laser. Acme laser, 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 laser. All right, dudes, here's the clip. Uh, Rob, not sure if I'm at the right place for that vocal track. Is this uh, Skidiv Recording Studios? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're definitely at the right place. This is going to be great. Uh, not Onto much here. You said this place would inspire a good vocal track, but I'm not really sure you know what that means. Listen, man. Don't worry about it. Just head inside. They're going to be waiting for you. Chad will be your engineer, and he's going to be with you every step of the way. Uh, okay. All right, sweet. I'm going to get my gear set up then. I think I'm going to use my nine string. These guys are in two different locations. Um, one guy's in the studio, and the other guy's at the skydiving warehouse. I'm serious. Hey, I'm going to drop tune this thing, and then it goes to double drop B. Isn't that nuts? Jory, Jory, hey, you know when you're talking, it makes it a lot harder to tune. So you just give me a moment. So right now, Jory is in a plane, and the other guy's in the studio. All right, let's do this. Jory's still in the plane as the music starts. Jory is suited up and ready to go. He's got a guy on his back and his chute on his back. He looks really worried. And he's falling out of the plane. Oh, not yet. That was another guy. Now! <laughs>
free-falling, really. It's free-falling right now. And the shoot is just deployed. And he's hitting the ground. And he's hit the ground. Descriptive video was brought to you by Acme Lasers. Of nice course. Job, man. Wow, that was really funny. Um, I. <laughs> it's not, it's weird because it's it, it seems like you don't really have to time the screams. Like the guitar just does a rhythm, and it's not really it's not like rap where you have to match up the rhythm. Hey. No, there, no, you just, you just, you just scream. It's, it's fantastic. It's a genius. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I, it'll be interesting to see how this comes out in post because uh, <laughs> I'm gonna explain to the audience. I'm gonna add the clip after, but I decided that it will need yeah. some descriptive video, so I'm gonna do that in post. <laughs> right. Which so will be interesting because it'll just be me is... talking through the whole video, which is only like a couple minutes. <laughs> the guy's name is. As you He's know, guys, down. it was only about two minutes because you just heard it. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah this is really so stretching this my guy mind. Is, is, he is famous for videos such as Metal in Inappropriate Places. Uh, and uh, he, he, he does um, backwards covers where he'll record the entire song in reverse and then play it backwards, and it sounds like he's playing it regularly. That's crazy. Um, he does banjo metal covers. He does ukulele metal covers. Oh, I love banjo um, metal covers. Yeah, he he does a bunch of those. He uh, he did a series where he recorded music on a hundred year old wax uh, gramophones, which is really cool. Um, just stuff. He does all this crazy stuff, but I mean, it's just it's funny. And the guy's a phenomenal guitar player. So very um, cool. He yeah. Anyway, so. To get a chance to check out his stuff he's not a promo i don't know him in any way shape or form i just i just think he's really entertaining and fun to watch now someone's so. going to watch one video and the guy's going to say something terrible and then it's like yeah jeff agrees with that right oh uh, yeah no this is kind of like when i talk about something rob bell says <laughs> okay i've I've stopped saying i don't agree with everything this guy says i'm like you know what whatever people can think what they want of me i don't care rob bell said something cool i'm gonna share it (laughs) what was that stop clock is right twice a day (laughs) yeah that's right hey so hey i I was thinking um you're a musician i i'm a musician maybe not the same kind of musician as you are but that's okay um but i was Thinking about, okay, when you do a performance, right? After you're done a performance, and yeah. like this past Sunday, I remember playing like one wrong note, which is amazing for me. I mean, there were parts where I didn't play, <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I, 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 missed, I missed this one <laughs> part. Count. Yeah, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, I, I, I've been trying to like kind of articulate this, but I was like thinking about how performance like that you have like kind of a short memory and you're like, okay, next time I play this song, I'm not going to miss that one note, but there's no beating yourself up over it. I'm learning anyways, that it's like, okay, well that's done. It gets gone. That's already done. I can't fix it. And that's okay. 
I and think most people didn't there's, notice there's my mistake. There's a really interesting. No, they won't notice it. And no. I think a lot of that. And this is a really fascinating conundrum because I love that word conundrum. Words are funny. It's a um, wonderful word. Because up until just recently, music was a very transitory thing because you could only experience it as it was being played. Right. Um, up until just well, this past century, you know, um, there was no way to record a musical performance. So right. we have no idea what Beethoven actually sounded like when he played. Right. No clue because nobody could record it. Now, um, reminds me of my now, Beethoven joke. <laughs> your Beethoven? Okay, is Beethoven the guy that was deaf? Yes. Okay. Was going deaf? Yes. Okay. 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 So I'm picturing. All right. You know, maybe I should make this joke. <laughs> All right. Okay. I would do it. Okay. So this is do Beethoven it. performing live. Make some noise. I can't hear you. It's funny <laughs> because I'm deaf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like having a conversation. Having a conversation with your deaf old grandpa is like having a conversation with uh, what little John. <laughs> Are you ready? What? Are you ready? What? <laughs> Let's. It's time to go. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, okay. On a serious note, though, my my church has like a um, hearing impaired community. Like, there's we have um, a person that does signing and all oh, this cool. stuff, and it's part of our ministries that we're kind of expanding nice. that, which is really cool. I got to learn some sign because there's some really cool people cool. I need to get to know at my church. That's awesome. Very mm-hmm. awesome. Um, all right. Oh, yeah, you were saying, so Beethoven. <laughs> so we don't know what Beethoven sounded uh, like. We don't know what he sounded like because we had no way of recording his actual performance. But nowadays, everything is geared towards perfection. And so musicians are losing because everything we listen to on the radio is so heavily produced right. and perfected. And they take multiple takes and perfect it and tweak it until it sounds perfect. And then when you go see a band play live and you go, it kind of sounds kind of sloppy and whatever. But that's because we've retrained our ears to think what's acceptable. Think back when you listened to like bands back in the 50s and 60s. They recorded songs in one take with one microphone in a room. Right. You know, you can you hear them when they play Louie uh, Louie. Louis, you can hear the guy drop his drumsticks and yell in the background during the song. That's amazing. Like, that's on the record, you know, but that yeah. was a one take, one shot, one take, and that's how they did it back then. And it oh, wasn't man. until the 60s and 70s where they started doing all these crazy studio tricks where they'd do like all this layering and they would edit it and do all these effects and all this stuff. They didn't do any of that stuff back before then. It's like so, Photoshopping. You know, we kind of, yes, right. it's audio photoshopping. Yes. Yeah, which yes, creates exactly. unrealistic expectations. But like that is so true. What I was thinking though is psychologically, I just think it's super healthy for me to do this, to play and then be like, "Oh, can't have that one back. Oh well, do better next time." And I'm like, that's a mentality yeah. you should apply to every aspect of your life because you can't beat yourself up over mistakes. You just do better next time, yep. right? Yeah. Oh, wreck that car. Whoop, I guess I'll just try again. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned this before, but like we, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, 
um, was an expansion team in the NHL this past year. Sports team, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, NHL, so hockey, and they made it to the Stanley Cup final as an expansion team. Like, this is unheard of and ridiculous. But what their coach basically (laughs) said, um, there was an interview with their coach, which I thought was really cool. The guy said, when my players make a mistake and they come to apologize to me, I'm like, oh, don't apologize to me. Just do better next time. And I was like, that may be the key to all of their success. Because why would you... It's a big part of it. Why would you have responsibility to the coach for your mistake? It's like, you just need to do better. And I'm like, that's... Because that's what I do as a musician, right? It's like, I don't need to apologize to everybody for messing up. I just need to do better. Plus, most people didn't notice right. the mistake, right? <laughs> so it's like... Eh. If you dwell on the mistakes, then you miss the improvement. It's just like, you know, just like God. You you dwell on your mistakes. You miss out on God's grace and mercy. I heard this great interview with Christine Kane. Um, it was on a podcast. Oh, I can't remember the name okay. of the podcast. But Christine Kane, um, I seen photos of her before i had no idea she's like in her 50s she looks younger but she basically said that when she's speaking to a group of people she has to tell herself not to just try to impress the people at the front row and she basically said that the people at the front row are the people that are the theologians the people that you know are checking to see if she's you know whatever trying to the, the people right. that she wants to impress with her prowess. And she said, instead, play to the people at the back. So those would be the broken people that come to her like events. Right. And I was like, this right. is really interesting because I, I, I just think that's, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. And it's like, I think we spend a lot of our lives trying to play to the front and not to the back row. Yep. I agree, man. It's a, uh, it's, it's, a very big temptation to try and impress the people that that w- impress us. Yeah. But that that's not really what we're called to do. You know, we're not trying to impress anybody. That's not our job. That just hit me, man. <laughs> it's funny. I wasn't thinking about what that applies to for me personally, but I'm like, wow. Because there's a lot of times I'll get into discussions with very smart people. And I'm like, this is really cool to have a conversation with this person. But then you got kind of like right. the other person that's kind of on the side that doesn't even understand what we're talking about at all. And right. I'm more interested in engaging with this person that has so many interesting things to say than I am with explaining stuff to the dude that's sitting on the side and feels left out. So anyways, do better, John. Just do better. That's all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cause I'm just like, when I meet really smart people and I feel like I can actually keep up with them in conversation, I'm really happy. And I'm like, this is cool. Like, yeah. But yeah, I should recognize that there's some people that are being missed in these things. Definitely, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of self examination. There's, there needs to be a lot of, of humility there needs to be a lot of honesty with yourself and not honesty to the point of just you know beating yourself up but being honest enough to go 
you know, I really can't do this. I need to, I need to pick myself up and do better. But when God looks at us and when we fail, because we do, we fail, our, our quote unquote coach says, I understand. Why are you apologizing? I already paid for that mistake. Just go out and do better. Exactly. You know, go back out and, and, and do better. And, um, don't dwell on the mistake. I mean, yeah, you know, that's a thing that happened, but now it's done. Just don't do that again. You know, <laughs> now that you've made that mistake, you know better. Just go out and, and don't do that again. Yeah, it's the same, isn't it? It's the same. And so I very, can look at that and say, similar. well, I didn't do very well in that conversation. It's really cool when you can record your conversations and listen to them. <laughs> I was, I think I was, I was talking to Jason Bradley. Who's like one one of those smart people that just blows me away, and I love having conversations with him. Um, and I was talking to him on the Wax Museum podcast, and um, I was saying to him, "I'm like, it's interesting when you listen to conversations, recordings of conversations you've had with people, and you've actually taped it legally, <laughs> right? But I mean, you can review it and be like, oh, I talked too much,' or you know, like you can look at it and be like, oh, I need to.'" Well, it's like when I was talking about how I want to get rid of you know and say right instead, right? So, <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Hey, so I, I was thinking, um, there's something really weird happening in our society, and um, yeah, there's okay. lots of weird things, and this is probably as old as old can be. But this idea of ostracizing someone, and I think like the latest person right now is James Gunn, the director for um, blah, blah, blah. what's that show? Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Um, he right. got fired from his job over tweets he made. I think it was in 2010. Now I read those tweets, and I'm like, that was messed up stuff. Um, right. But I was thinking about like him, Louis C.K., I, I guess Kevin Spacey would be another example. I mean, varying degrees oh, of awful tough. things people have done. But I was like thinking about it. I'm like, it's interesting to me how public figures get ostracized. And it's like, so how long yes. do we put those people in timeout? <laughs> right? Pee Wee Herman was another one, right? He got ostracized for a while because of some weird thing he did in the theater. Um, right. So... He came back after about 20 years and, yeah, you know, which surprisingly, I actually watched his, uh, his new movie that came out last year yeah, and he looks exactly the same. <laughs> so either he's like part vampire or which, which is really funny because in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, he actually played one of the vampires. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, maybe he played um, as himself. That, well, right. That's kind of now that you mention it. That's kind of what I'm thinking. He he was the the vampire that Buffy stabbed with the high heel, and uh, and he's and he's like dying on the floor, and then he stops and he looks at her. and He goes, "Oh yeah." Uh. <laughs> he, he says, <laughs> like he oh, was yeah. almost like faking it. And then he, yeah, that was actually that was Paul Rubens. That was actually Pee Wee Herman. Um, go back and watch it. He's got long hair in the movie, but that was him. He was uh, he was the Sphinx in Mystery Men too. Yeah. Oh, dude, he's he's done some really funny stuff. I mean, he's yeah. genuinely a funny guy. But you know what's really interesting is that most of the people that are really, really funny and make people laugh do that because they're a little off. They're right. a little twisted. You know what I'm saying? They're oh, all like I know that. what you're saying, watched, buddy. <laughs> they're all like that. And it's because it's funny. 
you know, yeah, in, in a kind of a morbid kind of way. We, we think that's funny. I, I think, yeah. And I mean, I, I know I'm not at that level of comedy, but I know for me it started with being awkward. And it's just like, okay, people are laughing yeah. at me, so I might as well laugh with them. And so you figure out ways of maybe, I don't know, using those anomalies <laughs> to your advantage. Quirks. Right? Yeah, using your yeah. quirks. Yeah, yeah. That's a better word than anomalies. Although anomalies are a really yeah. cool word. <laughs> and the, the really the really good comedians are the ones that are honest enough to to joke about their own shortcomings. Oh yeah. You know, Without I remember I watched, I, I can't remember who it was. I don't remember her name. She was a comedian. She had no chin. Like just the way her face was shaped. She had no chin. Like, you know, like it was nothing there. And, uh, not, she wasn't like deformed or anything, but just the way her face was shaped, she just didn't really have a chin. And so, <laughs> What's the first thing she starts talking about? How difficult it is for her to fold sheets. <laughs> That's awesome. She's like, y'all, I'm struggling. I am a housewife and I cannot fold sheets. And then she sticks her, she sticks her chin back even further just to prove her point. And her face is like perfectly flat, you know, with her neck. And I'm just laughing because I mean, she's just laughing because it's funny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's, it's just morbidly funny. And it's not, you know, but that's that's the kind of things we laugh about, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that was interesting. Um, I had this in the ADD master list, and I thought maybe it'd be a good point of discussion. It's like everyone is an environmentalist when people are dumping garbage in their backyard. So it's like if it's happening in my true. backyard, I care about it. I mean, and that doesn't just right. apply to environmentalism. It's really a lot of negative things. It's like when it relates to me, it matters. Right. I I think it's similar too to like, okay, so there was a big fire in New Orleans, right? And so you hear right. about it and you're like, okay, was it anybody I know? And it's like, no. And you kind of have that sense of relief. <laughs> and then you feel <laughs> bad for having that sense of relief, right? Yeah. Actually... A book I read this summer, um, it's like Adam Smith Can Change Your Life. Um, are you familiar with who Adam Smith is or was? Um, not really. He wrote The Wealth of Nations. And basically oh, Adam Smith, that Adam Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah so yeah, he's yeah. the father of the free market, right? And I like for me, it's like I wanted to read it primarily because I'm like not fully convinced that the free market solves every problem. And so I was like, I want to... It has problems. What was that? It has issues. Yeah. And I mean, it's just like this idea that the market will fix everything. I'm like, I, I think there's times where we have to say, okay, market, you're being stupid. You're like ruining people's lives, right? But anyways, yeah. um, yep. but there was an entire book that Adam Smith had written about morality, and it was brilliant. And um, huh. it started with this premise that, you know, let's say you're, you know, the guy modernized it basically and said, okay, so let's say you're sitting in your office and you hear the news that like a million people died in China, right? And so you're like, oh, right. that's terrible. But then 
you get a text from your wife that's like, so are you going to pick up the kid and take him to soccer? And you're like, oh, crap, i got to take him to soccer. And so you're thinking about that, yeah. and you forget about China, right? And you said, okay, now right. change that scenario and say, all right, you are about to lose your baby finger because you have, like, baby finger cancer, and you're going to have to get it cut off. Now Ugh. you get that text. Are you thinking about your kid and forgetting about your finger? Right. No, right? But do you care about your right. finger more than a million people in China, right? And I was like, oh, this is so interesting, right? And it's like, would you be willing to cut off your baby finger if it was going to save a million people in China? And it's like, well, yeah, it would make sense for me to be okay with that, even though I don't know these people. Right. And it's just interesting how our brains work that way when something's immediate, when something's close to us, it matters. Right. Yeah. We like to put arbitrary values on things that are valuable to us. <laughs> Obviously. Well, and I, I think this is something too. I'm trying to think of what book I was reading. I read like 10 books in three weeks. It was ridiculous. Um, but it was this idea. Oh, I was reading, um, the Martian. So the book, The Martian, right? You've seen uh, the movie? I've read that book, yeah. Yeah, okay. I've read the book. So I was thinking about how, like, these guys, there's like three astronauts that are willing to risk their lives to save this other dude. And it made right. me think, is his life more valuable than those other three astronauts? And then it kind of got me thinking about, like, okay, so is there a hierarchy of how we value different human lives? Because... You know, right. if you got the junkie on the street versus a doctor that can save people's lives and you had to choose which one lives, I think a lot of people would choose the doctor because you know he's going to make a positive impact on society, right? Right, right. So, I mean, if there's that dividing line, I'm like, is there a continuum and is there a point where, yeah, okay, these people are pretty much the same, but then when do you start building the hierarchy? And I was like... Wow, this is some serious thinking. Yeah, it, it really makes you really reevaluate what worth, value, life, you know, uh, things like that are worth. Because, you know, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, your life is worth something. But is it worth something to the point of you would be willing to sacrifice three other people to save it? You know, now granted, it may be their choice, but again, you have to ask. I mean, it begs the question, you know? Well, it made me think too. It's like, how much am I contributing to society? Like, am I somebody who would be valuable enough? Right? And it's not, I don't want it to be a point of pride. Like, I want people to perceive me as an important person, but it's just kind of like this idea of like, am I living a life that's worth that? Where people are like, no. We we need we need this person. We need John Howie, or we need Hen Jeff Hendricks, right? And just kind right. of that concept that it's like. I guess I kind of think about it. I'm like, it's not that I want to be missed, because I think we talked about that before, actually, in Wax Museum, um, about like how when you leave something and you come back and you realize things went on without you, it's humbling. Like, it's legitimately humbling because you're like, oh, I'm not a big deal and that's okay, which <laughs> takes pressure off they of you too, right? 
they don't actually need me, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like it was just a joy to serve or whatever, right? But um, right. thinking about this kind of flips that on its head because I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, but I want to provide value, right? I, I want to be able right. to contribute positively to society. And I mean, like, I know I'm probably not the doctor that's legitimately saving lives every day. Although my job kind of <laughs> does save lives <laughs> in a roundabout way. I test for yeah. health hazards, right? So, right, right. But I mean, like, I don't know. It just it, it helped me kind of evaluate what kind of person I am and, you know, like whether I am contributing positively and I want to be more like that. Yeah. Gotcha. Just something to think about, ADD minions. Yeah. Yeah, minions and stuff. Minions so and I stuff. think I think that's probably about about enough for tonight, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's been good. We've we've had an interesting discussion on words uh, and all kinds of other assorted bizarre things. But man, it's it's good talking with you, John. I always enjoy <laughs> chatting with you. Um, <laughs> just it's good stuff, man. Um, God, I'm trying to think if there's anything we could really close this out with. Um, the what? the current what? Well, I was, I was just gonna say words do matter, guys. And as much as and this is something. Okay, this might be a little little bit of a thing, but um, I was thinking about how like okay, if you talk to a fiercely like liberal person, if you use certain words, they're gonna be enraged. You know. And there's certain terms that you're going to use, you know, to describe groups of people that would enrage them. But if you take the most religious Christian, and if you use any four-letter words, you get the exact same reaction. Because words matter. Words matter. The, the, The audience that you're talking to, it's important that you consider whether enraging them is really worth it. Because your point will not come through if you just enrage people. And... Right. It's funny how both sides, the people that like to use foul language, the people that like to use terminology that's offensive to certain groups of sensitive, sensitive people, right? In both cases, right. they say words don't matter. And I'm like, I beg to differ. God used words to create the earth. And the Bible is very clear that words do matter. So I just wanted to say words matter. Yeah, yeah, they do. And a lot of times the words you use more than anything else reveal what you're thinking and where your heart is more than, Mm -hmm. you know, because that is how you choose to use them reveals a lot about who you are, how you think, Mm -hmm. how you communicate. So everything you say reveals a little bit more about you. So you have to be careful about what you say and how you say it. Absolutely. Now, I'm saying that now, and I have, like, diarrhea of the mouth most of the time. I'm just like, blah, 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 about everything. But, Dude, that just created it, a it, really it, gross picture in my mind. Yeah, not that kind. No, no, that's, no it's actually not words. physical, okay. verbal diarrhea. Yes. So that would be a really so bad condition, man. That would be... Uh, I'm. I, I, never mind. <laughs> we will leave on that note. I'm just. I. I can't. I cannot graciously segue out of that one. <laughs>
Well, thank you for listening, minions. We love our ADD minions. We love you guys so much. All right. And once again, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm. You're awesome. Prepare to take over the world. Get your minion layers ready because ADD Masterminds is going to storm the world. Take over the known universe. (laughs) Da, da, da. Maybe we'll do the unknown after. See. Yeah. Later, Ah, dudes. Later.